Welcome to That Creative Life. Hi, my name is Sarah Dietschy and I am your host. I talk with artists, YouTubers, CEOs, and everyone in between. I hope this podcast helps you live your best creative life. Enjoy. Well, okay, so you do all the things. So you're into tech, which is cool, and it's cool to see you running around with the the tech crowd, but you also, um, your main thing is you make sneaker videos. And I was perusing your channel, and you have been doing this for over almost 10 years. Yeah, well, it's, yeah. So I started 10 years ago, but I was working for a publisher. So back in, I I posted my first sneaker video on YouTube in March of 2010. And uh, that didn't go so well, you know. It was it was new. It was a new thing. Um, and then 2013, I started doing it on my own, and that's how we arrived here. Because mm. when I watch your videos, it almost seems like a proper newscast. It's very well produced. You're such a great presenter. <laughs> and yes. if you if you go back only maybe like only four years ago, four or five years ago on my channel, I'm very quiet and I'm kind of, I'm more reserved. You know, I haven't found exactly my, my voice, but it seems like you, you've always had it. So you right. said you started in music. Did that help with your stage presence? You were a rapper. So yeah. was it kind of like a natural transition for you? Yeah, absolutely. And like, I, I don't know what I would be like on camera if I hadn't been a rapper, uh, because it makes such a difference in, because um, having been on stage, being booed, being applauded, being cheered, being jeered, like all of that stuff, it kind of it builds up a certain skill set. And I've been able to bring that to like the YouTube space because it's something that that I just did. Like, you know, you ha- I had a microphone in my hand and it was my job to entertain people for 45 minutes. And so like I, that just translated very well to, to YouTube. Mm-hmm. Well, how did you first get into music? Because I was a big electric guitar player. I was in a band. We would uh, we would play to crowds of like twenty people. <laughs> so it wasn't that was like my side but, band. Hey. But then you know it's like but then on the weekends you know I went to like a mega church. So that band was playing in front of like four thousand people a weekend. So that was an entirely different experience. Um, so music I think I attribute to a lot of my just figuring out problems we were just talking about hey if you need to record you you can't go to a fancy studio you got to figure out logic you got to figure out pro tools you got to figure out how to get the perfect guitar tone because oh you can't just stick a mic in front of your amp no there's certain techniques and there's certain angles and there's certain plugins like you said so it it seems like music is a really good place to start whenever you you have you know a creative career a lot of people say oh yeah I started music you know so so how did that transition happen going from a rapper to to content and being a presenter so I started I started out in music and um you know as as with everybody you know your hopes and dreams of being a big superstar and all those things I did an album um it sold like five copies you know that that sort of thing and so um but I got really really lucky so a a music supervisor for television and film happened upon my album and he liked the songs. And so even though I was like trying to be this artist, he was like, Hey, I think I can get your songs into television and film. 
And so I started doing a bunch of TV and film stuff. Um, and from that, doing songs for TV and film, I actually got like an acting gig and I was in a movie because of it. And then I got on a TV wow. show and I was on a TV show for it because of it. So I had all of I had like all of these things kind of happening um, and then everything just went dry, like for like two years, like nothing happened. I was still rapping and doing shows. I actually have to send you some stuff because I did. Uh, I, I started rapping with a live band uh, instead of oh, a DJ. Cool. So it was me, a trumpet player, a bass player, a guitar player, and a drummer. And um, we made like we had we made like this like rock fusion hip hop jazz music. It was it's, it's pretty crazy. Oh my gosh, I need like, to listen. Probably like the most musically fulfilling. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was probably like musically fulfilling. It was probably like the the craziest and best thing that I that I've done musically so far. Um, so I was still doing that, but then um, like I wasn't getting any gigs. I wasn't getting any acting gigs. Songs weren't being placed and stuff like that. And so I started writing about sneakers online. And when I was doing that, I started looking at some of the stuff that was online currently on YouTube. Again, this is 2010. So this was before like all the big shows and all the big publishers kind of got into YouTube and doing stuff. And because I had that background, I'd done some acting stuff because I'd done stuff on stage. My thought was, oh, okay, I'll do something on YouTube um, because that way people on TV will see me. Mm -hmm. uh, and know that it's I'm still doing stone. stuff and that's that I'm how not a just lot like, of people I haven't disappeared it's a step yeah. <laughs> yeah. people on YouTube are like okay I'm gonna start a YouTube channel so I can have a professional acting career so I can have a professional acting career and that was my original thought with creating content I was like I'm writing about sneakers and I love sneakers and that's cool but like obviously I want to be an entertainer like that's where my that's where my heart is to be an entertainer and um I, I guess I'm, I'm an entertainer still, I guess, in that sense. But it's just I just talk about sneakers and tech, you know, and stuff like that. And so it started in 2010. I watched some videos on YouTube about how to edit and how to green screen. Um, and then I went to Joanne's Fabrics and bought a green blanket. Basically, I bought two of those um, like college dorm room lights from from Target that have like the three lights on them at the top. Wait, were they bendy like the bendy ones? No, it's not even the bendy ones. It's just, like they just go up and down. Like it's just like, okay. they just rotate up <laughs> yeah. and down. Like there's three at the top. It's like three and that spotlights was your setup. basically. Yeah, yeah. Um, that was my setup. And I was in the garage with a, oh, an overhead light on that was like yellow. And then the lights were blue. But I, I was <laughs> doing my best thing. <laughs> and and, uh, and I shot shot it. And that, end, that ended up on YouTube with my little weird man mustache and everything. And uh, that was that was 10 years ago. And it just kind of just grew from there. I just started watching stuff like I, I give like major props to like um, Indie Mogul because mm -hmm. like I learned everything that I knew about production from them way back then. And that's yeah. that's really what got me got me into creating content. And I just kind of just learned and picked up stuff from there. So what were the two years like where you thought you had momentum and you were doing your thing? OK, music acting. This is great. You know, it seems like a plethora of opportunity. And I imagine were you on the West Coast during that time? Was it centered around L.A.? So I've always been in L.A. I was born okay. and raised here in L.A. Oh, um, dope. So okay. I've had the had the benefit of being a Los Angeles guy my whole life. Yeah. Love that. So what was it like when all of it stopped? Well, I mean, it, it's it's obviously super tough because like you're going to auditions and then you're not getting the job and then you're seeing like people that are at the audition to see them get the job and you're seeing them on TV. So like there's that crazy level of frustration that happens with that. 
And, you know, you're just trying to, I think like anybody else, you just kind of adapt. Like, all right, cool. This is not it. What what am I going to do? Um, I taught at a school for a little while. Like I taught electronic music production at a school for a few years, you know, in that, in that process. Um, that's where I actually... <laughs> Uh, oddly enough, that's where I met Tyler, the creator. He was one of my students in my electronic music class. Um, hello. Okay, so you're saying that you made Tyler the creator. That's what you're saying. Wow. No, 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 no. He was already, he he was already super dope back then. Like he was already shooting like his own music videos and doing stuff that I didn't even know how to do. I mean, what was, was that class. like yeah, as a sure. like a teacher student relationship where you you you're just seeing this dude being just incredible did how do you even do you did you yeah. just let him do his thing i mean that's insane yeah i mean really that's what it was it was like you know you provide it was one of those situations where you provide guidance and not necessarily teach where you're just kind of showing him like okay like you have this incredible skill set your mind already works in a way that's kind of built for this already so it's more of just guidance like try this instead of doing this like this hmm. like try something new like step outside of your comfort zone and do this L use these plugins try this instrument um, try arranging it this way like those kind of things because he already had the basic fundamentals of of creating music down it was just a matter of pushing him to look outside of his circle um, and create things that he, he, he wouldn't have necessarily thought of. Yeah. Speaking of that, who are some musicians that you see kind of looking from the outside who get it, who get this new this new world? Because there's so many. I mean, I think being a musician has always been the hardest creative field to actually make a job. And both of us have ex like, I guess, failed. Right. We're not musicians right now. <laughs> like I wasn't going to say that. But hey, I thought I was going to like tour with Paramore or something. I thought I was going to be like a freaking rock star guys and I'm making tech YouTube videos. <laughs> but I'm so interested in that world and I'm sure you are too. And who who are some people that you you think are just crushing it and what are they doing that's unique? Because I'm sure there's so many people also who listen to this pod who maybe want to make music their, their job, but it's tough. Getting those Spotify streams, getting the 25 cent checks, for a couple thousand yeah. streams, it's, it's tough out there. I have I have such a I have such a beef with uh, streaming music, but we're not let's not even get into that. It um, could be a whole other podcast. But I, I think honestly, I don't. I, yeah, yeah, it's a di totally different podcast. <laughs> I don't think there's anybody in particular that's really popping out to me that's doing anything that's crazy. I think that it's more of like you just have the ability to do so much more now. Um, on your own and really kind of create your own sort of wave for lack of a better word like even though like, I was able to record myself back then we didn't really have distribution like there was no SoundCloud back then there was no Spotify or Apple Music it was like you burn a CD and give somebody a CD that wants to listen to your music there were mp3s but like everyone didn't have a, play, a, a place to play mp3s at the time or AAC if you're with, if you had an iPod, like no one had that ability back then. It was, it was all like you put a CD into your machine. So yeah. And it was hard to get music to people back then. Now you can send somebody a link and they can listen to your whole album. Back then, if you send somebody a link to listen to your whole album, it would take them a day to just download the album. First of all, lots, lots of friction <laughs> because the internet was so slow. Yeah. yeah. So I would say for people that today, like, just ride your own wave. You have the ability to create. You can shoot a music video using your phone. Like you can record 
with your phone. <laughs> like you can do everything really to create an entire album. You can do create Photoshop. You can do the pictures. You can Photoshop the pictures. You can shoot the music video. You can create the music. You can record the music. You can, you know, mix and master the music. It won't be perfect, but it'll be better than anything that I could have done I could have done 10 years ago. So you have the power in your hands. You can create an Instagram, Twitter, you can create a SoundCloud, you can create a Snap. You can do all of those things now. You have all of that power in your hands. It's a matter of you creating good music and marketing yourself. So if anything, maybe to take some marketing classes about how to get yourself out there and how to get how to get the music out there. Mm -hmm. And it's almost like we're all playing a very similar game, whether you're a YouTuber or a musician. Really, we're all using very similar channels, whether it's YouTube, just and again, I know people hate saying the word content, but we're all just out here creating the content. It's a little different if you're a musician, but it's crazy to see creating the content. But it's crazy to also see all of these musicians and how they're uh, playing a show in Fortnite. They're doing a collab with McDonald's. They have their own it's not merch but it's a streetwear brand right and essentially we're all just our own little hubs of business and influence and it's really like you kind of have to do a little bit of everything and that that's intimidating to people right but I think it increases the in startup world they always talk about what's your moat okay you made a product but what's going to make Johnny over there (laughs) not just copy your product so you have to build that moat whether it's your personality or it's a really special program that no one else can code and I think you know the musicians who are succeeding they are building that moat because they're not just in Fortnite, but they're maybe they're streaming and they're doing all these things. It's crazy to watch. It's fascinating to watch. Yeah, I mean, we're we're perfect. I think we're a perfect example of that because we have to do everything. Like, yes. you know, we're, we've made it to a point now where we're lucky enough that we can hire people to help us. But there was a period I like I'm 10 years in eight, eight of those years. It was just me. And like I was shooting, I was editing, I was lighting, I was ideating, I was, you know, uh, creating the music I was doing. I was doing everything on my own. Um, So, you know, don't don't be afraid to get your hands dirty. I needed to learn Photoshop. I I still suck at it, but I'm okay. (laughs) I can do enough to get to get things done. I had to teach myself to edit. I had I had to watch YouTube videos. I had to download Ripple training tutorials. I had to download tutorials from Mac Pro Video and go through and learn Mm -hmm. all these things and make mistakes. Um, I had to learn how to use all of these different programs in order for me to be where I am today. So Mm -hmm. like, don't be afraid to get your hands dirty. Like, don't be like, oh, well, I just make music. I am. I mean, artist and all I can do, all I do is sing. All I do is sing. (laughs) Yeah. All I do is sing. That is, that is my gift. Like, okay, that's cool. And some people can make it that way. Some people do, but for the most, for most of us, you have to, you have to sing, uh, but you also have to produce and you have to learn how to mix and master. Um, and you also need, you also need to learn how to upload to Spotify and you also need to learn how to upload to SoundCloud Mm -hmm. and you also need to look Mm -hmm. at analytics. So, yeah. um, And I, I recently listened to, to a podcast with Tim Ferriss and Sia, and she was talking about the mm -hmm. logistics of, um, the, just the recording business and kind of the, once you get to a certain 
point of success, you can pick and choose, right? What you want to do. And it was so fascinating to hear her explain that, okay, the difference between writing the melody, but then also writing the lyrics to that melody is a completely different thing and how they split on publishing and the 50-50 and the lane that she's carved out for herself. It was a fascinating listen. I'll link it in the show notes below. But she is someone who has done so much whether it's writing being her own uh her own musician but also like keeping her uh anonymity is that a word uh keeping her you know because no very rarely do you see her face anonymity yeah i think that's a word right (laughs) um sorry i'm just talking about a ton of musicians but it's it's been cool to see people's journeys and truly in the beginning you have to do it all um, but speaking to that, you mentioned that you just ha- you yeah. know, you have some help now. And when I watch your videos, I'm like, oh, there's a lot going on. It's like a proper newscast, right? You have videos popping up, pictures all the time. Um, you know, yeah. sometimes you're using a green screen, sometimes you're using your background. And what has that process been hiring out? And do you have an exact like pr- uh, final cut template or a thing that's the same every time? Because uh, I, I always like to ask people because my delegation journey has been a long one and a tough one but I'm kind of on the other side. So how do you do it, Jack? <laughs> I respect that. I respect that 100%. Yeah. Um, it's still a journey. It's still a process, I'll say. Um, but the way, so like for the, the talk show thing, I still edit that 100% myself. Um, but I have a writer that helps me with, uh, with the, the content for the show. Um, I'm still doing the editing, um, but I also work with the editor and he's, he's pretty familiar with my style now of how I, how I tend to like to edit things. Um, at first I was very much in the lane of like, this is how I would edit it. So, um, I'd like you to kind of edit it this mm, way. Perfectionist. Um, do it exactly but the way I, I, I felt you. like, yes. Yeah. But I felt like that almost kind of prevented him from being experimental and adding his own like creative touches to it. And so I started, I started to kind of back away and just let him do an edit and see how it came out, especially for like the unboxings. Um, because he's, he's actually shooting a lot of the B roll now. Um, oh, for, for the edits as a, as opposed to the way I do it. And like, even with that experience where I was kind of like, Hey, I'll let you shoot the B roll. Like I usually shoot it this way. This is what I do. Um, like I noticed he started to kind of do his own thing. And in addition to doing what I was doing, he would add his own flares to it. And so I was like, okay, perfect. Like this, that, that makes me comfortable that I can step away. He's getting what I would expect, but he's also adding his own creative touches to it. And so I, I started to step away. Um, but at the same time, I do. I am probably over his shoulder more than I need to be, just because I, I, the, our businesses are so personal, you know. And so it's hard not to not to want to have your hand in everything. Mm-hmm. But yeah, but you, but you have to let go in order for you to grow, and that's just a hard thing. Even like when I first got like management and uh, uh, you know somebody to help me like on the business side of things. I was still very much like, um, okay, this email came in today. Um, let's talk about it. Um, this is how I would handle it. This is what I think, um, kind of thing. Um, but eventually I started to let go and like, I don't really like check in on emails anymore. Yeah. I you do gotta let still go if you, if you need have to go. like, yeah, I still have, I still do still have things kind of filtered through an email address that I can check if I wanted to, but I don't. 
you know what I mean? I've, I've stepped away from like being in part of that everyday thing. No, that's good. That's the one thing that I was like, you got to take it all because, you know, it, I, I started to be somewhat in the beginning like, oh, no, if we miss one deal, that's like leaving money on the table. But now you get so busy. It's just like. If stuff keeps coming through, I'm not going to stress about, you know, the few that are fall through the cracks because it's like we just got to keep this train rolling. Yeah. And if you if you stop and nitpick every yep. single thing, that's not good. You know, you, you can't and do I'm, it. I'm, I'm happy with a high level overview at this point. Yes. High level yeah. overview. No, I love it. <laughs> and you're so with sneakers, you're a sports guy, too, obviously, in, in these uh, you know, news shows, yeah. it, it spans a lot of different topics, but I, I played sports in high school. I played basketball, so I love basketball, but I fell off like watching it probably like the moment I stopped playing in high school. So I still occasionally love to play, but I just don't watch any sports. So it's really fascinating to, I would love to get your take okay. on what sports are doing right now, because I'm, you know, people love to analyze things and on Twitter all the time, there's like, Oh, the NBA viewership is down all 55% the and the NFL is down, blah, blah. And MLB has been, I'm sorry, y'all have been on the way out for a while. And a lot of that, I feel like stemmed from their <laughs> over obsession with content, not allowing memes on the internet. Cause they own everything. They, it's interesting to see MLB oh and NBA. I feel like they NBA thrived and MLB just gradually goes down because NBA I think embraces clips on Twitter, put anything everywhere. And then yeah. the MLB takes down everything, which has been interesting. But what, ha what is, what's the deal with sports right now? Yeah. Why does no one care? I think we're a generation is growing up that has entertainment in other places. And a lot of us um, that are slightly older, our generation, like sports and movies were your entertainment for the most part. Like YouTube wasn't as big of a thing. And neither was Instagram or neither was Twitter. Like all of our, I think a lot of our attention is in other places. Like we didn't have all of these things to hold our attention before. And now, now we do. So we have, you know, we, we have other places and, you know, kudos to the NBA for kind of embracing the digital age, which sounds weird to say, um, but embracing that and being open to the memes and, and all of that sort of stuff and content going everywhere. And I think that the MLB is, the MLB is gonna be like, I feel like they're treating it like the music industry. And instead of jumping in and really being like aggressive and understanding what's they going on and taking on part in it and making it a part of your business, yeah, they try to hold on to the past for sure. So I'm happy with what they're doing. And I think uh, I, I, I think sports, they're, they're going to settle out, I think. I think right now is just a transition period. And I think, I think things will settle and people will start to adjust. I think people are just adjusting to where their time is going to be spent. And the value of watching a game or being live at a game um, is going to is going to find find its place is just is just not there at the moment. Do you see that there is a shift from instead of people being one hundred percent committed to one team? Do you see the shift going towards more to personalities and and players like a LeBron James? Okay, I'm going to follow him wherever oh, yeah. he goes. You know? Yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I, I I think before again, and this is the kind of thing with the digital age now. You can follow that person 
more now. Like you can, you you you're, you have more access to them. Like before, if, if you were a Cleveland fan, like you didn't really have access to any other players. You may have heard about them when they come to your city, but outside of that, you didn't really have a way to follow them or, and see what they were doing because you weren't getting games and things like that. But now, if you want to follow LeBron, you can follow LeBron you can, and you can follow him everywhere. You know what I mean? You can follow him on Twitter. You can follow him on Instagram. And then you can follow him on, on TV and all the things that he's doing. Like that's why, I think that's why Mac, Michael Jordan is so much different than everybody else uh, because he was just like this mythical figure. You know what I mean? So like, and you didn't have access to him. So it allowed the legend of him to grow so much inside of your brain, inside of your, like your whole spirit was just like, Michael Jordan is a God. Like you didn't have access to him. And then when you did see him, it was on TV doing these amazing things. Yeah. And you're just like, oh, it's all true. Right. What a freaking legend, you know? God, that it's documentary is so good. That, do- that documentary slash Michael Jordan propaganda <laughs> piece. That yeah. It was what it was. That was pure like MJ propaganda. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, they only made that because they got the go ahead from Michael, right? So I'm sure he had some from influence on it. Right. Yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, that was the only piece of content that I've ever watched where I literally immediately turned it off, didn't want to watch the next episode and just got to work. I was like, okay, time to edit a video. <laughs> I was like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, <laughs> That's funny. let's go, let's go, let's, let's go. go. You know, That's funny. so it is cool to be, you know, to see from the outside. I keep up with players, but very rarely do I watch the games. And I, I feel like also, it's a little bit of a disconnect to where I get everything through social media. I don't have TV. Like, I can't, I don't know where to watch sports. I don't have Fox <laughs> and CBS. And like, where do, how do people even watch sports? ESPN. I don't have ESPN. We're talking about friction. It's like there's still friction in the process of even viewing them. So it's like, if you want me to watch the playoffs, you got to stick it at the top of my Twitter feed or I'm not going to see it. Right. That, <laughs> and, that, and that's true. And I think that, that, that speaks to like there's a generation that just doesn't have cable. Like everybody had cable before. And a lot of people don't have cable anymore. I have, you know, HBO Max and that's it. Or whatever it is, or Disney Plus, or Apple Apple TV Plus, or whatever it is. Like that's all I have. I don't have all of these other things anymore because I don't need them and I don't want them. Like so, it, it's it's a definitely it's a shift in how people operate. And I think again, I think I think they'll adjust. I think things will adjust and things will start to be available in other places. What I'm worried about and what I, I kind of don't like is how segmented everything is becoming. How there's a thousand different places that like I have, we have our streaming network and we have our, and we have our streaming network. It's just becoming cable all over again. I've always said that we're literally going, it's going to be a circle. Everyone is going to have their streaming network and then someone's going to come along and be like, we need to bundle this. And it's only going to cost like a hundred dollars a month and you get 50 channels. And then we're going to be like, this is, this is cable. This is what we this is what we just had. What's what's yeah. going on here? <laughs> Maybe the difference yeah, is it'll gonna, be better. It's just going to be like the Spider Man, the Spider Man, <laughs> the Spider Man yeah, meme. It'll be the Spider Man meme. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I mean, at least out of all this, we have you know we can watch it on our phones or whatever, you know, iPad. And yeah. I guess that's what 
good will come out of it but i feel the fatigue too i mean what are what have you been watching i've been watching ted lasso i have the apple tv have you watched ted lasso yet i haven't watched ted lasso yet but i've seen a lot of people talking about it and so i feel like i need to um i've been i haven't well first i don't watch a lot of tv uh it's usually i'm usually on youtube like oddly enough which is weird Mm-hmm. But I've been dipping back into so I'm a big of a, like a big Star Trek fan. So uh, the wife and I have been watching uh, old episodes of Voyager. So like that's what we do like at, at night and when we before we go to bed, we just watch old episodes of Star Trek Voyager. And we're watching from like season one through like all of the seasons. And we're like on season three right now. So that's what we've been doing lately. Um, before that, uh, what were we watching? I think we were watching, yeah, the 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 new Star Trek that was on CBS All Access. So it's it's really my sci-fi. So anything sci-fi is really what I love to watch. Um, so I'm all into that. Um, I liked we watched Black Black is uh, Black AF on Netflix. That was really good. We enjoyed mm-hmm. that. I was so, oh my god, the production of that show, like the the pacing and the way it blew my mind i was what and it you know it kind of makes you just like a little disoriented because it is so different but i enjoyed it was just fresh i don't know it was i really enjoyed how they shot that and how it was produced yeah the shot the way it shot the producing and then like those interview setups were so good like they were lit so well like I was rewatching episodes and pausing it and like, okay, what are they doing with this light setup? I was like, how are they doing this? this okay. They're showing so the good. behind the scenes. So what do they have here? And like, how do I do that? Yeah. It was, it was really cool. Yeah. It seemed new. Yeah. I've been watching, uh, all of my old TV shows. Cause I feel like I need some nostalgia when the world's going crazy. I, I kind of need to just i'm watching like one tree hill and stuff just like the really cheesy dramatic teen drama and it it brings me back it brings me back to a time where there was no corona (laughs) there was no people yelling at people on twitter (laughs) actually i think i had a song on one tree hill for an episode are you kidding me tell me how that works i have to go look at i have to go look at my um so again that that music supervisor um they um i was doing like i did the album and so they liked a lot of the songs and so they would just take them and put them on tv shows it was like oh they need a hip-hop song in this scene cool we have this guy he has these songs here's here's these songs or sometimes it would be like custom songs and sometimes it was custom songs so like for the movie walk hard the the dewey cox story i don't know if you've ever seen that movie Mm -mm, um, with john c Riley, where he's kind of parodying he's like it's like a parody film and um they wanted a custom song where like the rapper takes the guy the 60s guy's song and makes like this raunchy version of it and so like i did like a a really really extremely terribly raunchy version of his song where i sampled his song uh it was like a custom song it's terrible don't ever listen to it sarah it's i mean we're all gonna google it now aren't we no 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 so it was like, just to give you a premise before you listen, because I want you to be mm-hmm. prepared for this. There was like, all right, we need a really terrible, like really raunchy, sexually explicit song. And I was like, okay. And so I wrote the song and I turned it in and there was like, okay, we need it to be worse. Like we need it to be raunchier. And I was like, okay. And so I literally thought of like, what are the worst things you can say (laughs) on a song? And so (laughs) 
I wrote those things. I made them rhyme. And I wrote, put them into two 16 bar sections. And oh I turned that in gosh. and they were like, this is perfect. This is what oh we wanted. Oh my gosh. And so now, now you've been officially warned that when okay. you listen to it, it's that the was a raunchiest good thing you've probably ever heard. So it'd probably make it would probably get our video demonetized, I'm sure. Yeah, oh, definitely can't be in this video. No, 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 no. <laughs> that is so funny. There's gonna be a lot of bleeping. Oh my gosh, what a journey you've had. And it's it's cool because I feel like there's some parallels yeah. in between the tech space and sneaker space because not only are you friends with everyone but you're i think i mean aren't you in that same office space as jonathan too no no so i don't work with them i don't i just visit i just go over there and visit like john and i are really good friends gotcha for some reason i thought your space was in that space oh no no my space is in my space is just in my house okay dope yeah. awesome oh that's that's cool. It doesn't look like it's in your house. So you did a good job with that. That that was always a challenge, like trying to make where you live look professional, you know. With that and you being on the platform for 10 years, I'm sure you've been able to see a lot of your YouTube friends doing their thing and you've seen them evolve and you've evolved yourself. What has been mm -hmm. the biggest change that either you've had, you know, maybe it's been natural or it was more intentional um, that you had to do over the past decade as the platform changed. Because as you know, things change all the time for better or worse. What what has been that that journey with your with your content? I think the way that I think things have shifted is that you really see that anyone can create like their own thing. And like there's a there's a space for everything. Mm -hmm. Like, even though YouTube's been around for 10 years, like, I would say it's really within the last two or three years that you really see people just being able to be who they are and be successful at it and people be more accepting of it. Um, I think that's the biggest shift, just how welcoming the rest of the world is to people just being themselves and being you and allowing people to be creative in that space and create what they need out of that space. I think, I think that's awesome. It's almost like, like it was like, it was how, how, like it was such a big deal for Will to get on social media and to do all of that stuff. Um, but I think it's a bigger deal that you see all of these different communities being able to share their voices and speak their, speak their truths and people be accepting of that and understanding. And I think it creates more empathy and it creates a world where we all get a better understanding of, of others and the struggles that others go through and then how much we are all alike. Yes, I'm into tech and sneakers, but there's somebody out there that's just as into like toys and stamps and like that's perfectly fine and that's okay and there's an audience for that mm -hmm. yeah i mean all the niches are so cool and it has been interesting to see all of these celebrities kind of flood flood the socials and I mean, honestly, I feel like Will Smith is the only person who has actually done it right. And it's been, I know some people who work on his um, team at the Glenbrook or Glen, whatever his company is called, where he um, uses all Overbrook. the creative. Oh, yes, Overbrook. there you go. There you go. Um, and it sounds like there is just a genuine love for creativity and figuring out how to tell stories in a fresh and compelling yeah. way and embracing yeah. other creators to, you know, come along with with the journey and also making things that are contextual to the platforms. Because you, you see a lot of people come on the scene and yeah. they try to either go super, super, super fancy 
or they just like whip out their phone and it's the most boring ish that you've ever seen and they don't kind of understand the actual things that thrive on specific platforms instagram is different than twitter twitter is obviously different than youtube youtube is a beast yep. of its own and so it's been yeah will has just been crushing it someone that has been doing a really good job of doing like the very very fancy stuff but making it appropriate for the platform is Kevin James. Oh my God. Yes. I just channel. watched this like nature documentary one. Yes. Oh yes. <laughs> it's so funny. So good. Yeah. Yeah. He's yeah, a good, he's yeah. A really I forgot great about job him. Great job of kind of adapting. It's so funny. We have like a delay. <laughs> so it's like, it's like, yeah, I yeah. I know. He's talking but- and, <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny i wonder what do you think it's because you're do you think it's the airplay thing i don't know um i don't know what the delay is because like i can see you talking and i i start talking immediately after you stop uh but i don't know if it's the delay coming back to you is yeah. what it is because i'm using i don't know i'm using like the atm mini pro for like the camera so you can see okay. and i don't know if maybe yeah, that's yeah. causing a little bit of a maybe delay this is because interesting it's hdmi maybe i don't know yeah We'll have to we'll have to consult Gerald Undone to to diagnose it. But yeah, it's it's the first time that I feel like on Zoom I've had to actually be like, okay, don't say anything until they're one hundred percent done talking. Rona times, yeah. man. We'll we'll work it out. We'll get it we'll get it to work. Yeah, yeah. Luckily, yeah, Fraser's who's editing this. Good luck. Good luck. Thank goodness I'm not editing it. <laughs> <laughs> shout out shout out Fraser. Shout out to Fraser. Hello. So, so how many people are you working with? Yeah, so let's see. I have it's been a mess, but lately I have consolidated it to <laughs> um a few now instead of being like, hey, you ten people, like try to do this and then I won't talk to you for months and then maybe I'll text you again. I it hasn't been the best experience. But I got oh. my ish together and I became obsessed with productivity and uh you know I found tools that worked for me and I'm sure you've seen that I just tweet about notion all the time and it really helps uh, being obsessed with tech and yes. being obsessed yes. with um you know cool stuff like that it it was a a flip that switched when I found tools that were actually like fun to use because I was using Asana I was using all these other things and they never clicked for me so once I had a tool that clicked and it was fun it was kind of like oh game over like this is this is cool you you felt the momentum I was better at communicating and planning so I have I have one editor who does like 50 40 percent of my youtube main channel i still do a lot of them just because as we Mm -hmm. talked it's hard to not be a perfectionist about things and i think i want to shift that into the choir yep yep i think i want to shift that to more they take most of it but then i'll uh, reserve time for like the final cut because what i'm learning is very rarely can i Mm -hmm. just 100 percent send it off to them hands off so i think if i can get better at shooting uploading every time just go for it 
And then we have a process now with Google Drive where I can kind of just like hop in and do maybe that final 10% and make sure that I always have the final say. That kind of gives me peace of mind because everyone's different. You have to figure it out for, um, for everyone. And then the podcast is completely, I have an awesome person, Drayton, who does all the social and the memes. He's in the freaking like Bahamas. Uh, And I found him because he made a Sarah Peachy meme account. And I was like, dude, I don't have a job for you, but like, you're so creative. Can you just like do what you're doing on the meme account, but do it for that creative life? And I was like, I'll, you know, I guess I'll just like pay you and you make memes and just go for it. And so he's, he's done a really good job and, and shifting into more social content too. So that I have a studio manager now. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's all about just giving people chances and whoever shows the most initiative, I'm just like, yes, you perfect. That's, that's amazing. I definitely need to get there. I'm right now. I just, I have a a co-writer that I work with, uh, for what's popping and for hard pass. And then I have an editor that I work with. Um, Mm -hmm. I, I, I need someone that can handle like social stuff. Like that's amazing. Like to cut stuff down for you. And that does it like, cause that's, that's probably, that's been the problem that I have. Like I found people that, that are on social that could do it, but like they don't know how to edit or they don't cut stuff down or they don't do any of that. But it's like, mm-hmm. if I'm going to do that, I was like, I might as well just post it to Twitter myself. I might as well do it. But then I end up never, ever actually doing it. And exactly. so it's on a whole nother set of problems. Yeah. I mean, that's a whole, it's yeah. so involved and I'll, I'll keep you in the loop too. Cause I'm also building this program with a business partner of mine and I've slightly told the internet about it. It's called switchboard and it's going to help with all that stuff. So I'll, I'll keep you in the loop. I'll put you on my list and you know, hopefully it'll help you with all of that Twitter and Instagram content and micro content. So soon. I love, I love how I love, you know, one thing I do really appreciate about you is how you think so much broader than what like YouTube and the tech and like the tech stuff directly, like you're into all of these other things. And, um, that's really, it's really refreshing to see that. And it's something that I definitely respect about what you do. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah. It's, it's almost like you got to do it to keep it interesting. Cause I don't know about you and I've, I've been doing it for a shorter amount of time, but do you ever get bored? How do you keep it fresh? I think that's why I'm so into like the tech world is mm. because like it's, it's something by extension, it's something that I should be into, but like, obviously my focus is sneakers and so when um, something, if I'm creating a video or if I'm creating some sort of content that doesn't necessarily excite me, I have sort of like this tech spin to it where I kind of feel like, oh yeah, but I'm shooting with this cool camera and I'm trying out these cool profiles or uh, I'm going to try this lighting technique or I'm going to try this interview setup. So all of those things I think are what, what keep it exciting for me and, and continually push me to keep me growing or, oh, I'm going to try and tell a story this way. I'm going to try and tell a story that way. So all of those things I think are what make it all and keep it interesting to me. Mm-hmm. No, I love that. And you, you have to find things that are, whether it's, you know, a genre or because tech is always evolving. There's always new toys to play with. So whether it's your genre yeah. or, you know, the different styles of videos you're creating, that's what I found too is 
Oh, any way that I can keep things fresh helps because sometimes when you're on your like fourth laptop review and you're just kind of doing the same thing, there's a moment where you're like, what am I doing? <laughs> I need a little bit more excitement. <laughs> what is this? Yes. Yeah. You guys, you guys I, and see from, from the outside looking in, I'm like, oh man, these guys get all of the coolest things that I would love to play with. And it's so cool that they get to do all of this sort of stuff. But I get it because kids think the same thing about me with all the sneakers and stuff. And I'm just like, well, uh, now I have a storage unit that I have to pay for. So like, no, it's not as cool. It's not as cool as you think. I have I have too many. It's too many. Yeah. Well, what um, is that but, like? You know, I, I, I definitely realize I'm in a beautiful space. What do you yeah. mean? With, with, uh, cause you know, tech, it's always a mixture of companies sending it to you, but then you also buying things. Is it a similar flow of sneakers or do you have reps at each company and they know like you're on the list and they just send it through? Cause I'm sure that is, that's, that's more of a crazy space in that sometimes if you have a certain shoe, oh my gosh, you're like one of only 20 people and people are selling it aftermarket for thousands of dollars. I mean, it's crazy over there in Sneakerland. Yeah, I I would say it's pretty similar to tech um in 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 certain ways. Like I think like you know, you got you get stuff early. I same thing, I get stuff early um to 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 do a review on and so like i'll have it a couple of weeks before you know i I follow embargoes just like you like you know like the tech world follows embargoes all of that stuff is pretty similar um the i would say the the biggest difference is that sneakers are more limited than tech is right like the tech the goal of tech is we want everybody in america to have one of these (laughs) or everybody around the world to have one of these (laughs) Whereas with sneakers, there there are some sneakers like that, but for the most part, they uh, the stuff that people get excited about is super limited, and only a certain amount of people will get them. Whether that's they make one thousand pairs or ten thousand pairs or a hundred thousand pairs, like it's it's limited. So like hype and uh, the the thought of something selling out is now a part of like the marketing plans of sneaker companies. So selling out is used as a marketing tactic, basically. Um, so uh, unlike tech, where like Apple wants everybody to have an iPhone, and we're gonna we're gonna keep making them in, until they say we don't they don't want them mm-hmm. no more. <laughs> Whereas with sneakers, they'll make a Jordan One, they'll make you know a hundred thousand Jordan Ones, and they won't make them again for ten years. Yeah, well, it's so interesting to see. Uh, we were planning this podcast I was like what are you stoked about and you you mentioned that you're getting more into finance and stocks and it's been so interesting to see sneakers as their own asset class themselves and it's fascinating to see what (laughs) will double triple quadruple in price oh my gosh and you know you look up maybe 10 years later and you got an old old box of Jordans in your closet and then you look on StockX or one of these websites and be like oh well this is kind of crazy how how is that? Yeah. Maybe this is the wrong question because I'm like, how is this sustainable? Because as a business, you want to make money. And then the people who are making money are the ones who are selling it on StockX, not the company. But then I guess, can you, you have to play into that because that's what people want. They want the hype. It just seems confusing in my brain from a business standpoint. 
So the the brands, they're making their money when they sell to the reseller, quote unquote. So like they've already made their money. And and with sneakers, sneakers are typically priced like anything else, like double whatever, like the manufacturing cost. So that's generally like so brands are making their money already. And the resale market is just kind of the resale market. They can't really determine. You don't know what's going to sell or what's going to resell unless there's some sort of hype behind it. And that's when things have some sort of resale value. Um, and so like brands, I don't think brands are going to get in on the resale market just because I think it presents some like logistics legally wise that they can't really get into. Um, and you know, consumers being like, oh yeah, of course these sold out so you could resell them. So of course you're only, you're going to sell them out fast. So like there's, I think there's that whole angle that they have to, they have to navigate if they're going to get into that space. But then there's, um, there's also the fact that like brands make the most, the majority of the money that sneaker brands make isn't from these hyped shoes. Like the hyped shoes are just like the marketing aspect of things. That's like hmm. 10, maybe high 20% level brand, of the bottom brand line. awareness. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Brand awareness, that kind of stuff. The other 80% is the stuff that you buy at warehouse shoe sale or you buy at JCPenney or you buy at, Costco or wherever it is like these general release sneakers is where these brands are making all of their money. The hype is just what's keeping their name in the headlines. So uh, I, I don't think they're looking at the resale market as as a revenue stream. Uh, I think they're just more looking at it as kind of a um, as a as a part of a part of just a part of doing business. And for them, what they do is they just raise prices on the hyped product to to go closer towards that resale demand. So for instance, Jordan ones used to be like $160 for like the last five or whatever years. Now they're 170. So brands are just, just pricing a slowly pricing up. Jordan's used to be 160 or 170. Now they're 190 to 225, depending on who's making the shoe, if it's a collab or the materials and all that stuff. So brands are they're dipping into the resale market, but they're doing mm-hmm. it through their retail through their retail presence. As we wrap things up, tell me what you're excited about. What's something that you're just like, man, this is cool. Um, I need to shout it from the rooftops. Um, I'm listening. I'm obviously a lot more on YouTube. I'm listening to a lot more music. Um, if I'm going to give anybody a cosign, I just found this guy named Jacob Collier on YouTube, and he is just out of this world i don't know if you're familiar with him but his like his musicality if that's is musicality a word am i allowed to say musicality yeah, um totally um his musicality has since his music musicianship there you go his musicianship is really next level uh he's really dope so i've been, been watching a lot of his stuff um i think music is just kind of where i've just been kind of finding my peace outside of outside of like working like because this is a job and working i'm starting to look at music as kind of like my my way of kind of releasing and letting go and relaxing and just finding joy in that and like listening to harmonies and chords and chord progressions and being fascinated Mm -hmm. by that kind of stuff i love that yeah do you do you miss it are you ever just like ah man Maybe I wish I was playing a show instead of making a YouTube video right now. Nothing compares to playing a show. So much. The feeling of being on stage and just like jamming out with your homies is probably the most, I don't know how to describe it. Yeah, it's it's incredible, especially when you have the audience 
and the audience is there with you and they're following like every movement. They know the lyrics to a song. They know the changes in the song. They know a breakdown. So they know like that everything with you and like you're up there and you're going and you know, it's this and like the rocking with you. It's just like, it's almost like this crazy energy of everybody being like in the same moment, same space and time at the exact same time, thinking the exact same things. And they're just like rocking with you. It's there's very few things that I've seen that, uh, that amount to that. I was, I was watching this, uh, video last night about a guy trying to be a comedian and he was doing a bunch of open mics and then like I was for the finale he finally did a show that went well and he he was saying that like after the second time like the second joke and the audience was fully in and laughing at his joke he was like I thought I was Dave Chappelle like in like it, it took 30 seconds for me to feel like Dave Chappelle because of the way the audience was was vibing with me, which is crazy. That's awesome. I can't imagine what it takes to be a stand up comedian. Music is at least one of those things that you can <laughs> prefer, like prepare for and you know, like, OK, we're either going to play well or not. It's up to the audience. But stand up comedy seems like, oh, my gosh, it's a new thing with every audience. And it's 100 percent dependent on if you're a funny person. Oh my gosh, that seems so intimidating. Well, I mean, you've been on stage. I feel I feel like because we've been on stage, we have we at least have an idea of what of what it's like. I will say when you're on stage giving a talk, you can be that YouTuber who's giving advice, but then also, oh, it's cool if they're funny. People don't expect you to be funny. So it's good when it's like, oh, this That's and this true. and that, and then like, oh, there's a laugh. Like that is that is fun, but people don't expect you to be like be funny. Yeah, make make me laugh, human exactly. person. But I, w- I would I would say though, as a, as a musician though, you see how you get better the more you perform on stage, and so you kind of have an idea what's going to work versus what's not. I imagine, uh, and I'm saying this totally ignorant. I was like, I imagine comedy is the same thing. Like the more you do it, the more you have a feel for what's going to work and what's not going yeah. to work. Yeah. No, definitely. I've been watching a lot of podcasts of comedians and stuff. And I, this dude, his name is Tim Dillon. He is the, he's so crazy, but his comedy is just taking sarcasm to just the, the ultimate, just being as sarcastic as you possibly can. Um, and I think I've found definitely my vibe. I've never really listened to stand up comedians, but I'm like, oh, if people can just take, the craziness of the world and just be super sarcastic to a point where you don't know if they're being serious or not. I think I found that that's my jam because it's depressing out there, but we got to make fun of it. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I, I feel like comedians are like songwriters. Yeah. I feel like that, that. I feel like those two worlds are pretty close, like because you're, mm-hmm. you're creating something and, and especially uh, especially as a rapper, because as a rapper, you're writing so many more words than you would if you're writing like a ballad. And so I think part of part of hip hop and rap is that you have to be witty. You have to be like charming. And I think that's part of being a comedian mm-hmm. as well is like that same energy, bringing that same energy to it. Oh, 100 percent. Maybe I'm just making this up. I don't know. Yeah. No, I love it. <laughs> well, thank you for chatting with me. Where can the people find you if they're too lazy to go down in the show notes? Uh, where where are you? In the show notes. Uh, I am all over the internet under Custo, which is K-U-S-T-O-O, uh, all all the places, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, 
Grinder, love it. Bumble, all good, those places. Good. You still do Snapchat? Yeah, I actually I actually have a show on Snapchat uh, on the Discover page. You're fancy. I love that. I love to hear that. Okay, well, maybe <laughs> I, I, I should I venture over it. into Snapchat. Again. I wouldn't call it fancy, <laughs> but, but I love it. Can I can I just share you my engagement? My engagement on Snapchat is so yeah. much higher than anywhere else. Literally anywhere else. Like, uh, hold on. Where's my phone? Where is my phone? Yeah, Where give us the phone? deets. Um, I just so I just put up a. Uh, a story on Snapchat chat last night. I have like 114,000 views uh, on, and I have about 160,000 followers. Oh my, who so, are you like, people on the Snapchat? That's, that's typical engagement. I didn't know people were still on there. I guess, I guess it helps to have a show. <laughs> yeah, it, it does help to have a show, but even, even still, I think before, before I had the show, um, when I was talking about, talking to them about the show, I started just being more active on it. And their thing was like, if you create five pieces of content within the app, like it's, it's really weird. Like you have to create content within the app. Like you can't import something from somewhere else. If you do five pieces, approximately five pieces a day, um, like your engagement just grows. Like they push that, like they, they push people that are using the app actively and they start pushing your content more and more and more. Like I've had, I've had, stuff do like a million views on on snapchat off of like the hundred and sixty thousand dollars 160 followers that i have and like i'm it's it's growing like for the last three months it's been growing like crazy so i'm posting probably two or three times a week just doing like a video five like just literally just five pieces of content take a couple of pictures in within the app and posting and like the engagement is crazy. I, I just, I don't like, there's nowhere else wow. that, that that is doing that. Unless you get like viral on TikTok, like it's it's consistently great on, on Snapchat. Like I have more engagement nice. there than I have anywhere else. Whoa, well who would have known? Okay, well that's a very solid <laughs> tidbit of advice that we love to hear that. Wow, well thank you so much for being on the pod and maybe one day when everything settles down, I'll come visit all of you guys in LA and I feel like it would be awesome to do like a round table with everyone out there because there's so many good, there's so many good ones out there. You guys, you guys have a cool, cool flow. I'm, I'm a little bit jealous, but I just love New York too much. I love I love New York too. I I love New York though. I I would I, I like it when I come out there. It's all it's always fun. Um, it's fast paced. The energy is totally different from being here in L.A. It's totally different. But but yeah, thank you for having me. I definitely definitely appreciate it. Of course, of course. Thanks for being on, guys. Make sure you're subscribed on Apple Podcasts, Google, uh, Spotify, wherever you listen. New episodes every single Monday. Check out all of the links in the show notes below. And until next time, thank you for listening. See you next Monday. Thank you.